What's new listeners, I'm Arthur Howell, the host of Two Cents Critic. If you're in the mood for reviews of books, movies, and TV shows, then join in. Today, we'll be covering It Starts With Us by Colleen Hoover. This is the sequel to her book It Ends With Us, which I had previously covered on the podcast. And now we're going to be bringing in uh, our guest today, Zabar who has already been on the podcast a couple times earlier, and now she's coming back for her third episode to join the It Starts With Us Breakdown. Say hi, Zaba. Hi, everyone. It's so nice to be back here again. Long time no see, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. It was actually one of the episodes we brought you in for, was for the Colleen Hoover discussion, and one of the books on that episode was It Ends With Us. So listeners, if you can, you know, you can also listen to that episode, you can also listen to my solo episode that I recorded on It Ends With Us by myself. But Zabar, for any new listeners, do you have any any quick thoughts you want to offer on Coho? That's, you know, Colleen Hoover, that's the nickname, or It Ends With Us? Mm, I feel like Coho in general, her books, I think I think we discussed this last time as well, but, you know, if you're not very into Western literature, or let's say English is not your first language, I think her books are a great way to get into them, simply because her writing, it's easy to understand. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple, and it still gets to you, you know, the characters or the plot, whether you like them or you cringe. Um you know, they have this effect. It grows on you, I think. So I think she's a great... I'm not going to say her writing is groundbreaking or she's this fantastic writer, but, you know, yeah, girl girl can write. Yeah, I would say the same thing. As, as someone who has read plenty of co-host books, you know, even though there are parts I find problematic, even like there is a story I learned recently about like about Coho apparently help her son avoid like sexual harassment claims, which uh, it's like that always does disappoint me when when like authors or like the artists oh, end yeah. up being problematic. And I I do have to say I don't know if I've read it from like official sources yet, but I do remember Twitter being very very upset. And a lot of tweets about it, but again, have you read anything from like an official source? I just see a lot of tweets and like about it, and apparently it's popping up a lot on TikTok about like the teenage girl who apparently got, was sexually harassed by one of her sons, and then like the girl reached out to Colleen Hoover and to her DMs, but then Coho ended up blocking her. I don't know. It just seems like it's too much. Like it's too many. It's too. It's too much. Too many claims around this, but it's all building up, and it's like it's too much. I. I feel like I personally believe it. Like I personally believe like it has to be true. Oh yeah. I don't know. So I just don't just... know about it happening on Book Talk as well, and that the girl sent a DM and got blocked. Um, yeah. Yeah. Too. Like I feel bad now. Yeah. I feel like that's. Yeah, it's it's always like the issue of like trying to separate the art from the artist, but like so just yeah, I don't I I don't really care for it seems like what Coho does as a person, but still like the books I enjoy or at least you know some of the books I enjoy the other ones some of them I find to be very cringy, but just gotta keep that in mind. And all right, so now we will move on to giving our thoughts on It Starts With Us, which, by the way, 
this is a sequel to Dinosaur Us. So, listeners, if you don't even want any spoilers as to how Dinosaur Us ends, then you know, don't even listen to this. Just go read, just go read that book if you're okay with stuff about domestic abuse and heavy topics like that. But now, here, I'm going to read the back cover for Dinosaur Us. Lily and her ex husband, Ryle, have just settled into a civil co parenting rhythm when she suddenly bumps into her first love, Athos, again. After nearly two years separated, she is elated that for once, time is on her side, and she immediately says yes when Atlas asks her on a date. But her excitement is quickly hampered by the knowledge that, though they are no longer married, Ryle is still very much a part of her life, and Atlas Corrigan is the one man she will hate being in his ex-wife and daughter's life. Switching between the perspectives of Lily and Atlas, it starts with us, picks up right where the, the epilogue for the gripping, Port-pounding, best-selling phenomenon, it ends with us left off. Revealing more about Atlas's past and following Lily as she embraces a second chance at true love while navigating Ajella's ex-husband, it proves that no one delivers an emotional read like Colleen Hoover. Alright, so that is It Starts With Us. So let's just get into our general non-spoilery thoughts on the book. Sabah? Yeah, I, I do have to say, though, I think as sad, upsetting as it was, I think I enjoyed the first book a lot more. Weird. It's so weird because I feel like this one had a more happier vibe to it. You know, you learn about Atlas, who was like my favorite character in the last book. And Ryle is like officially sort of out of the picture. I mean, he's still co-parenting. He... You know, he does stuff, but he officially kind of like, I'd say goes away. But I don't know. I I think I enjoyed the first one a lot more. And despite the addition of new characters that I like reading about, I just think that the first one was more fun. Interesting. The first one being more fun. That's an interesting way to put it, considering how devastating it is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. By fun, I just meant that it was, like, a more interesting read. Okay, more engaging. I, I, I apologize for, like, for releasing that. More engaging. Yeah, I mean, I hated Ryle in the first one, okay. But, yes, it, it was more engaging. I think I think that evilness and that frustration that I had while reading, you know, it still made me feel something, something way stronger than what I felt with this one. So, hmm. I think that put it more properly. Ah. Interesting. I mean, personally, I was into this book for, I don't know, like, pretty much the whole way through. I mean, I would say between the two, which is stronger, personally, I feel like it is, it ends with us. But I think that it starts with us, does a good job at portraying an important stage of this journey that Lily is going on. Because in, the, in, in It Ends With Us, she is... She's been trapped in an abusive relationship, and that book follows her, like, you know, uh, falling into it, falling in love with Ryle, but then she ends up trying to escape it, and there's that whole journey, and then you've also got a backstory with Atlas and learning about her home life and how she grew up with domestic abuse, and now we have this new story that follows her after that, and it follows what, what many people have to undergo after after being able to leave an abusive relationship, is that the is that the abusiveness, the abuse, the toxicity doesn't end right there because it's, especially in situations like this where Lily has a kid with Ryle, 
So Lyle is still in a way gonna have to stick around for like you know the custody and stuff. And I think this book is compelling in a way that it explores that stage of how she of how she has to deal with that toxicity and be able to move away from it, be able to resist the temptation of maybe reuniting with a Lyle and falling back into that old pattern. And again, it's some you know it's a real thing. Like people deal with this obviously out all the time after leaving such toxic relationships. And I think the way that it answers us focuses on this aspect of domestic abuse in a way that I feel like other books haven't really done that before. At least in a way that it's handled, I think, so sensitively. It starts with us does the same thing, except again for the aftermath of the abusive relationship. And I also remember like you know watching her and. Uh, Atlas interact. I know that there were a lot of reviews criticizing the book for being like, oh, it's like it's it's cheesy, the way that uh the way that you know they are able to get back together and fall in love. You know, it's too easy for this to happen. But you know, I you know there's like a certain cheese meter I'm willing to let fill up for coho books, and I'm okay with it for the most part. Here, maybe there are a few moments where it's like, oh, this is a little too corny for my taste. But most of the time, I was like, yeah, you know, this is okay. You know. I think it was just a very mellow kind of book for me. Again, I I do have to say though, I think a reason as to why I did not enjoy it as much is because I'm just not a very romance person. I I most of the times I don't enjoy that specific genre all by itself a lot. I think the last time I read something fun or something nice that I really liked that was only like romance was probably um. A book that you recommended. Why can't I forget? Why am I forgetting the name? It's about this guy who's... Um, the Kiss Quotient? He's an escort? The oh, yeah, quotient. that one. See, that one I loved. Yay. It was romance, but it was romance done right. You know, that's the thing. We discussed this, and it ends with us as well. And the chemistry between Lily and Ryle, it just never made sense to me. They didn't know each other. They they fell in love, but like I felt it was so rushed and then you know, he turns out to be an asshole, um, abusive. And I, I again, again, why would you be with somebody the first time you meet him, he's like breaking chairs and stuff, obviously has issues. That's a huge red flag, like yeah, just again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I can see why you're not into it, I, but still, I you know I enjoyed it. Also, uh, Atlas, I also enjoyed how it switched back and forth between his and Lily's perspectives, and how for Atlas, he actually got, he also had some, you know, some story, some story meat in this book as well, which I won't spoil, but, you know, he's got some stuff going on in his own, in his own character arc. Which I, I, I do have a non-spoilery take on Atlas. I feel like a reason as to why even I enjoyed reading about him so much in the first book wasn't necessarily because he was a great guy or, you know, he's saving the world. Um, but mainly because in contrast to what Lily had going on with Ryle, Atlas is obviously a way better person. He's, he's not doing anything like think about it think about it even in the first book he's just a decent human being he, well, yeah, he, you know, we, we he want to that. protect 
independently from uh, Ryle, which makes sense. Would you not want that for anyone? I would want that for everybody. And okay, he gets a little upset. If, if my friend was going through something similar, you bet your butt, I would have Ryle. You didn't want to know. Like, I chokeslam him. I do like, all the moves I saw on WWE when I was younger. That would be me. You know, so Ryle, I mean, Atlas isn't necessarily this great guy or, you know, an angel. He's just a lot. He's just a decent person. When put next to Ryle, he seems like an angel, but he's not all that, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, whatever. I, I, again, you know, I, I still enjoy, uh, I still enjoy Atlas a lot, you know. As someone who is there for for Lily and who's able to help her, you know, who's able to provide some light in his life on both of these books. Maybe like I'm not as crazy about him as someone else, like you know, as other leads from other romance novels. But I feel like, you know, Atlas, you know, he's you know, he's up there. Like you know, maybe he's more like in the middle for me at least. And all right, well now that we've given our general thoughts, we can now give our wind up scores. So Saba, what is your wind up score for it starts with us? So I just gave It Starts With Us um, a rating on Goodreads, and I gave it two stars out of five, which I feel like is a little unfair, but I don't know. This book just was not doing it for me. I had so, I was so hyped for it. You know, I had a lot of expectations, and I also feel like a reason behind this low score is that I feel like I've really gotten used to Coho's writing flow. I feel like she has this pattern. I'm not, not able to label it and like categorize it and be like, this happens and then that happens. But you you just know how the story is going to unfold, right? Like, tell me, did you not think they were going to end up together? Are we still in the spoilery oh, or in I, the non-spoilery? Uh, we're still technically in non-spoilers. Okay, so whatever you thought, keep that answer in your head. And you know what? That happens. I'm not going to say anything, but you know what happens. Why? Because it's Coho. Yeah, I mean, so, wait, wait, so, your number score, though, your wind-up score, not just the stars, but, like, out from zero to a hundred. Okay, so I'm not that good at math, but I'm going to say, like, if I'm giving something two out of five, then it's probably, like, a 30 or 20 percent, like, so 20 or 30 out of 100. Okay, okay. Ooh, quite low. <gasps> Uh, as for me, it's gonna be a seventy out of hundred. Yeah, I'm just, I, I was just, you know, pretty satisfied with this. Again, it's not, it's not like a banger. It's not like, it's not like it ends with us. You know, I was, you know, it's not gonna top it ends with us or Verity or reminders of him. You know, in my coho list, but you know, it's still, it's, it's pretty good. You know, especially since she, it, you know, she wasn't even planning to write this in the first place. She was just gonna have it be one and done. Just finish off the tale with Lily and Atlas, and it's it ends with us, and that's it. But then TikTok ended up motivating her. So many, so many of the coho readers were like, "No, we want more of Lily and Atlas." So that ended up motivating her to, you know, write a second book. Which, you know, again, like you know, for better or for worse, you know, I think it's 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 it's, okay. it's good. It's it's pretty good in my opinion. But again, I know there are a lot of people out there who do who do not agree with that. So. You know, I can understand that, including you. And all right, so that is our wind-up score now for It Starts With Us. Before we get into the plot breakdown, though, I'll just give the trigger warnings for this, which are 
abandonment, emotional abuse, gaslighting, toxic, toxic relationships, child abuse, domestic abuse, sexual content, and I think a brief reference to sexual assault, or maybe one, one or two, but that's definitely there. And the domestic abuse, I just want to know that it's definitely not as present in the in this book as it was in It Ends With Us, obviously, but obviously there's, there's you know, discussion of it happening here. And even there are a few, like, there's like a, a scene, it's like, an, a, a scene like, in specifically a call where it's like, oh, this is getting edging very close to the domestic abuse territory, if it, if it isn't even entering that already. And now we can uh, move onward to the plot breakdown of It's Not With Us. So listeners, if you haven't read the book yet, and you want to read it without spoilers, then you can just pause this episode right now. But if you have read the book, or if you haven't, but you're okay with spoilers, then you can stay right here. All right, so when the book is opening up, we're introduced to Atlas and Lily. For Atlas, he, he's got, you know, he's got his restaurants, he owns bibs, and then he's got the other restaurants that he's just newly opened up, uh, Corrigan's, and apparently someone is vandalized bibs. And, for example, like, sprayed, sprayed asshole on, like, the, the door. And it's spelled asshole, as in ass space hole, W-H-O-L-E. And then as for, for Lily, she has she has just encountered Atlas because again this is taking place right after the epilogue and it ends with us. So Lily is kind of like you know she's thinking about that by running into Atlas and she's working at her flower shop that she owns. Also, there is a bit in the beginning where she writes a a letter like a, a diary entry, Ellen DeGeneres, and this is a whole bit in the first book. And I will say. I thought this would be much more present in It Starts With Us, but, so I'm glad that we actually really only get it here, kept in fine in this section. I feel like any time a letter began, like whether it was her talking to Ellen or can I discuss how like Atlas wrote one to Lily, oh, I yes. mean, I feel like the sentiments were sweet. I get it. It was nice, but it just takes me off. And that's so weird because <laughs> usually, you know, when you're reading a book and there's a letter... It's it's such an it's such a lovely experience. You're so into it, and sometimes it makes me cry. I love letters, especially in books. But here they just take me off. Especially Ellen, like you are a grown ass woman. You're writing like after all that has happened. Could we at least like change it to Oprah? I don't know somebody else, please. But yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the whole thing. I feel like you. As much as I would want to change it, I feel like you can't change it though, because that was the whole bit. Like in the first book, it was the whole thing. Like, she writes letters to Ellen when she was okay, a kid. Oh, and then finding and then finding Nemo. It has like the whole finding Nemo references and just keep swimming, just keep swimming to quote, you know, to quote Dory. That is the whole oh. thing. Which and I and, you know, I love Finding Nemo. I love Dory as a character. I love the quote. You know, I love how it's interwoven with the story of It Ends With Us. But it's just that I don't care for Ellen, obviously herself, especially as we've learned about how much of an yeah. asshole she is. And it does make see so weird. Uh, I mean, you'd yeah. expect her to be very, you know, open-minded, but yeah, mm-hmm. even even like that whole scene with Dakota with Dakota Johnson was so weird. But I do love how Dakota Johnson just shoots her down, and she's like, "No, you didn't send me an invite." I invited you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. 
I just uh, no, but what she, she did with Nikita was just really upsetting. God. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, she be the way that uh, she is. Yeah, it's just it's upsetting, but still, Dakota, Dakota Johnson love how she was not willing to take uh Ellen's shit, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So going back to it starts with us again. It's kept Ellen stuff kept confined or you know, like the letter letters to Ellen kept confined here, but so uh, as letters like when. Uh, as let's write the notes, which I, 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 I like that. Or when he reads the journal, or he'll, he'll read the, like, the journal entries that, uh, that, that Lily hands over to him. And I like that too. I like how it gave him a uh, perspective into her past and how she viewed her relationship. You know, I, I, I thought it was sweet. You know, I can see how it's cheesy, but you know, I, I liked it. Okay, I will say though, when in this part when Lily is writing the letter to the letter to Ellen, I did feel like it was kind of clunky because if it feels like Coho was using it to deliver clunky exposition to the reader about all the crap that's going on with Lily and Ryle, how like she was having her custody struggles with him and doesn't really mm-hmm. fully fully trust him and doesn't want uh, the daughter Emmy, which is you know short for Emerson, named after his deceased brother. To, you know, she doesn't want Emmy to stay with him too much. She just she she's worried about whether or not he he might abuse her. Also, isn't that kind of wild? Like to name your baby after the like someone Ryo murdered. I get he was young, but well, is, is that really romantic and sweet? Is that not traumatizing? Yeah, like, I mean, is that like me? I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I, I can. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna accept that because I feel like it's an honor of the brother. Like it because you know it's an honor. Of, it's an honor of the brother to keep his memory alive, to honor him in spirit. And I will say, I want to do. I do want to specify. Ryle, you know, as much as I hate him, he didn't kill his brother on purpose. It was unfortunately accidental, and it was a horrible, tragic accident. Accident, but. But it's so it's so really? terrible. It's so terrible. Like it, it's like it's like. And, Why do we want to keep his memory alive? Like doesn't excuse him for his crappy son. You know, doesn't excuse oh, him yeah, no. for like the, the oh. abuse. Like you know, just because you've had terrible stuff to happen to you doesn't mean that you can do terrible stuff to other people. And I feel like with the resources that he has, like with the influence that he has, I'm not saying that therapy would, you know, cure everything and all the trauma that he probably has. But I I don't think Ryle ever saw himself as an issue or his behavior as a problem because I don't think he made any efforts to become better as the Ryle defenders say you know, hmm. no therapy or anger management classes. I remember Lily bring it up, bring it up to him, but yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Lily is worried about all that stuff happening with Ryle. Also, we also know that know that it's been almost a year since Lily asked him for the divorce, but it's been almost nineteen months since they had the fight and ultimately led to the separation. And she knows that if she starts going out with going out with Atlas, it's gonna piss off Ryle. Then we also get the introduction to Theo, who is the son of Brad, who is a friend of Atlas and works with him at at uh at at the restaurant, at Bibbs. I like how Brad and Darren from the first from the first book they come back in here. And then Theo, I I like how Theo plays in the story as like, you know, the the friend of Atlas. Then she she have him pose as like this a a a quasi therapist for Atlas, someone for him to you know talk out his feelings to, and I thought that was pretty pretty endearing. 
And even the way the act that CL makes fun of Atlas for quoting Finding Nemo. And it's like, and he's pointing out how cheesy that is. Yeah, which no, is like, I you know, love Theo. He's just like, really you know, funny, yeah. Yeah, it's understandable. Jaws other times, too, where it's like, he doesn't let this up. It's a running gag. He'll make, he'll tease Atlas for this. <gasps> and then we learn that Lyle still has a key to Lily's place because she's given it to him and he uses it when he's able to spend extra time with Emmy. But now he's starting to use it to bring her home and Lily suspects that maybe he's doing this as a way to see her more often, to see Lily more often. And which is like, you know, I was worried about that because I'm like, yeah, you know, the kind of person he is, I don't, I don't want him having a key to my place. And they even have an argument over dinner where, you know, they're arguing and and he suspects, like, maybe she's seeing someone because Atlas had called her phone, you know, that whole mess. And, and he's resistant for a bit when she asks him for the key back, but he ends up handing it back to her. And Lily also objects to letting him have Emmy overnight until she can talk to, you know, say if something, something has happened. And even, even like that moment when Lily grabs the list, list of reminders she made for herself, remember this? So the list of reminders of like why she left them, mm-hmm. and it had yeah, some like, yeah, yeah. like you know, pushing her down the stairs, biting her, all the like the, the physical abuse and stuff, and and the final the final reason was you did this for your daughter, which that was the important reason I remember that from from it ends with us she would did leave Ryle because of like the daughter it doesn't want her to grow grow up in this toxic household. Yeah, that's so sad. Imagine growing up in a house like that. I think you would definitely not want your children to grow up in that sort of environment and, you know, carry on that sort of trauma. So, yeah, again, like hats off to Lily for being strong and holding on for her daughter. Yes, yes. And then uh, Corrigan's, that's Atlas's other restaurant, ends up being vandalized as well with Fuck You Atlas being spray-painted on the door, and it's Atlas with two S's. And now they're, like, they're trying to figure out, you know, who this vandal is. And they even see this vandal on the security on the security cameras. She's security footage. And then Sutton, Atlas's mom, calls him all of a sudden, uh, claiming she wants money. She actually reminded me specifically of this other ridiculously neglectful mom from the Avalon Bay series by Al Kennedy. Except I would say that the that Sutton here is actually worse than that than Shelly, that mom from Avalon Bay. I say Sutton is worse. Especially as like as we go through the book and, you know, realize like just how abusive she's been in her own way. And what like what do you think of, of Sutton here? Oh, like I think th- I remember the very first page with ass hole <laughs> written on it and you know Atlas says like the word was meant for me for my own mother and it, it just breaks your heart like how could you do that to a child I know. And, you know the further you read about her the more you realize that she was just a terrible mother and you know what sometimes they give like a little background and stuff and make you feel bad for the person who is abusive like let's say for, with Ryle obviously um, his past experiences does not mean it's okay to abuse others or that Lily should put up with it and go back to him or anything. But, you know, it, it does kind of build pity in you. Yeah. But with her, there's no such background. And, you you know, I often wondered, why was she like this? What did what else did she have going on? Yes. But, yeah, it's it's just sad. It's heartbreaking. I, I didn't think much of her, but 
I felt so bad for Atlas. I know, me too. And just again, we'll we'll, we'll see what other what what other crap happens. But yeah, just other stuff that happens with Sutton. And then Alyssa and Marshall, they also come back from Atlanta with us at, from as being part of Lily's friend group. They come back and I, I kind of like the I like the hijinks when when Viol is dropping by the flower shop by by Lily's flower shop and Atlas is there, so Lily ends up having to hide Atlas in the closet. And Val kind of suspects something is up, but doesn't really find any further. And uh, just that whole, like, you know, when Alyssa and Lily are covering things up, and Alyssa is, like, clumsily lying and claiming that, like, I think, like, like they've cooked pasta. Or, or, or like, they, they, cook, they cooked a meal. Like, they, she called it specifically chicken, barbadula, meat. <laughs> Why are you avoiding me pasta, was it? <laughs> yeah, oh, yep, yep. So I found that to be pretty amusing. After Atlas asks if he can call, if he can call tonight, and Lily is up for it, and Alyssa is suspicious and wonders, like, hey, you know, are you and Atlas dating? And she says, like, the only person that Viol would approve of Lily dating is Viol himself. Also, Alyssa and Marshall's daughter, let's also keep in mind, their, da- their daughter is named Riley, R-Y-L-E-E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and honor of Viol, which is unfortunate. Obviously, they did that before finding out what, a, what an asshole he is. That did not age well. <gasps> nope. But I do have to say, I really enjoyed um, any time Alyssa was there. I think I think she used to call Atlas the Greek god. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> there, was even a time when, there was even a time when she called him Adonis. Oh, God. See... I, I, I always loved Alyssa's energy, I have to say. Yeah. I feel like in the first book, I was kind of, I could get kind of annoyed by because I feel like I felt like sometimes she could be like a, a corny best friend stereotype. Maybe kind of like one Oh, notes. yeah, of course. But, Don't you think that everything in this book is just like so perfect, you know? Especially the first time, like, it turns out Alyssa's all like, oh, yeah, I'll help you with your... Uh, flower shop i'll help you with this like let me visit and then it turns out she's also riles for a sister yeah and that's like Definitely. so annoying Definitely. that never happens so then atlas is teaching Theo how to cook flounder and this is when we learn Theo is crushing on someone and atlas assumes it's a girl at first but then Theo acts kind of off and kind of like atlas picks up on the signals and it pushes him into the realization that maybe his crush is on a boy. And it is. He's been in math club with Theo. And I will say, I... This is just like, you know, for spoilers, like for, for more towards the end of the book, I thought that when when Josh pops up, I thought maybe he could have been the crush. But as it turns out, it isn't. Which, I don't know. I, I will say, maybe that's something I would have tweaked. I just feel like, because the way that the, the crush, the Theo's crush is brought up, it feels like it's going to have some kind of plot relevance, you know? And that's why it felt like when, when Josh comes in, it just felt like it would have made sense. Like, oh, have him be the crush, you know? Just have, have make those connections, you know? But do you remember what I said about uh, Josh? That he's new? That no. He's new, new to the school? I remember when, when, when they were, like, painting on the hotel and the whole, like, graffiti and vandalism thing happened i was like i think he has a younger sibling that maybe atlas does not know about or something oh you remember okay yeah, yes 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 yeah see i i saw that coming i was like 
I'm a genius out here, man. I'm yes. not on my level. But, you, you, foresaw uh, that. you foresaw that, yes. So I, I foresaw that, and I also said that I don't think it's Josh that Theo's talking about, because I think there was this nice. part where it goes like, oh, you know, like, they knew each other for longer than I think Josh and Theo knew each other. But who knows? Maybe in, like, the third book, there'll be a thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there'll be a third book. I feel like we're done with the story here. I do feel like if there would be a third mm, book to true. come out, I think it would squeeze out too much of the material. Also, who knows? I think there is another, there's like a different Coho book series that was like, oh, the third book came out. I think it's the one where one of the, there's like the male lead who's deaf. I think that's the one. I forgot the name of it. I don't want, it's one of my least favorite Coho books, that one. Is it hope, hopeless, something too late? No, no, it's it's not. It, no, it's something else. It's it's what uh, it's something else. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want to talk about that anymore. It's just it's one. It's one. It's definitely. <laughs> uh, and then also in the scene, Co continues to tease him some more. He's like, "We finally reached the beach, my little whale." Or look, it's sand. We've reached land. Or Lily, what the heck? Our boat is wrecked. Ripping up all those faces. Oh god. I almost feel like Ho-Ho is being self-aware in that sense. Where she's acknowledging like, hey, this is pretty damn cheesy. And I feel like, I, I, I like how it feels like, you know, the book slash her is poking fun at the story. You know, poking fun at what she created. But they were like 12, okay, not 12, but like, okay, 18 is kind of old. Like, okay, no. It's Pixar though, it's Pixar. I mean, come on, funny, you know, Pixar is great, you know. For but everyone. at 18, you're gonna be like, I don't know, like, isn't that grown? I don't think so. I mean, there are plenty of Pixar movies that I value as a 24 year old, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't... but would you say that, like, we could stop swimming or, you know, <laughs> stuff maybe, like that? I maybe if I, if my partner, if my partner was really into the, into our certain movie in a, in a way like that, maybe, you know. <laughs> okay. And then, Lily and Atlas have a uh, a phone call that night, and he wants a video chat, so he he presses that option, but she has to put the phone down in the sink because she's still washing her face. And I love how like she's kind of embarrassed by that. And, and I like these calls that they have in general when they're talking about, you know, just chatting, and just calling as a bleeding up to the to the journals, Lily's journals that Violet has read that Violet had read. And now Atlas wants to know what's inside the journals himself. And she ends up reading the whole entry to Atlas about her relationship. But I mean, you know, I, 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 like, I like this, you know. I, I thought it was pretty, pretty sweet. It was the journal, do you remember this? It was the journal entry when she was hoping that she, like, she had seen her and her t-shirt through the window. And which I, I remember this actually from It Ends With Us. Yeah, when they were younger and she like does it on purpose. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I, I felt a little like, mm, okay, but, you know, when you're young. And then they go they agree to go out on a date uh, next Saturday. Oh, and... yeah, and then she falls asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on, well, we find out that Atlas actually had not stayed with an uncle after all. The next, the next time he talks to Lily, and that he actually had been just... Like he 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 gone off to Boston, but he didn't have an uncle. He was just kind of like fending for himself out there. He's just like having using the shelters and stuff. But that was really upsetting to learn about that. It you know, was all that time we thought, oh, he had an uncle. 
also went to and, and it is pointed out like winter was about to hit so he probably wouldn't have survived in the house that he'd been staying in i i also thought it was kind of funny when lily got embarrassed because she, she like accidentally flashed atlas when she was breastfeeding over the phone and obviously like atlas didn't care about that <laughs> he didn't know he doesn't give a crap about that obviously and there's even a there's even a quote where he says, "I can't think of a single subject you could discuss that would bore me." Aww, <laughs> that's, that's that's sweet. It's funny. There was actually I I I'm I'm part of this. I I'm, I was talking with a friend recently, and like going and who was going through some like you know relationship stuff. And there was a friend who actually said a similar thing to this uh, to this friend of mine, and we were like, "Oh, that's you know that's really sweet," you know. It was, it was it was a very similar quote what this person was saying to my friend and you know it reminded me of this of this quote and, and even when uh, when Atlas takes a screenshot on his phone of Lily through a FaceTime call for for CEO because CEO was like what does she look like what does she look like and even like when he when he sees the photo of Lily he is like oh I immediately understand now why Atlas gets so tongue tied around her and when Atlas ends up picking up Lily for the, for the date. What do you think of this whole event here? Because it's a date when she brings one of her journals along for him to read. Yeah, I felt like that was nice. That was sweet. And I and she, think it, and she it falls gave asleep. Him... And she falls asleep. Yeah, but then she falls asleep. That was kind of sad. I was looking forward to them, you know, just like sitting down in a restaurant, having like a good time, even though I wasn't going to be there. But I just thought that would be so fun. Like I was, I was hoping for that to happen. I do have to say, I get that, you know, Lily had been through so much because of Ryle and especially with like her childhood involved and all, a lot of like, um, you know, scary stuff going on. I, every time she'd grow concerned about Ryle being upset about her and Atlas, it, it just like made me so sad. I mean, it made me frustrated, but also really sad. So, yeah. Yeah, I like this date too. I mean... It's nice how, like, Atlas is able to read, you know, the journal, the passages from her journal, including the one about her first kiss. And then he ends up allowing her to read his Dear Lily letter that he wrote in his notes. Because, like, she felt so vulnerable after him reading her journal, he's going to open up some vulnerability of his own. And that ends up revolving around his dysfunctional relationship with his, with his mom, Sutton. And she was, a, a, we, found out, we found out she was verbally and physically abusive to him when he was a kid. Even Atlas does try to reason that maybe it's because like she was drained from work and parental duties. Maybe that's why she didn't just she just didn't have the energy to be a good parent. But he does always end up circling back around to to believe her no. It's like it doesn't give her the right to be so malicious towards him. And then even like and, and then when she ends up getting her new boyfriend, uh, Tim, and then he moves in and becomes Atlas's stepfather, and it turns out that he's just so horrible too. And Atlas just had to take the brunt of both of the abuse, abuse and clean up all the fallout from the arguments. And then eventually Tim decides, hey, let's just kick out Atlas. And that's what led to Atlas end up, like he stayed as a friend for a few months, but then the friend moved away. And then he ended up having to eventually just, you know, stay in that empty house. He wouldn't even, like, like Sutton, when he went back to his house, Sutton wouldn't even let him back in. And they're in debt, and Tim has been gambling. And Sutton hit him. Remember, she, she she threw a screwdriver at him. And also, this is a scene where Sutton has called him an asshole. And she also had thrown out all of his crap too, all of his stuff. Like it's like she, you know, even says in the narration, it's like she wanted to erase him entirely from her life. That was just really heart wrenching to read about. 
I do have to say, like, the cruelest point to me, like, I, I, I know that, like, from the very beginning, her, Atlas's parents are meant to be terrible, terrible people who had not treated him well or even decently. But what truly broke my heart was when he went back and she she just, like, couldn't give a fuck. She was like, get out. Yep, exactly. You know, I, I, I just thought that maybe when she sees him after a long time, she, she'd she be a little upset about letting him go or treating treating him wrong. But, nah, she's just like, get out. Yeah. And then Lily and Atlas... They go out for they go for a bit more of a date, like and, and they grab the burgers, and then Lily wants him to kiss her, but he doesn't because the act takes things slow. And then when Lily goes back to Alyssa and Marshall's place, Finding Nemo is on TV, and this is when Ryle pulls Lily aside for a talk because now he realizes after having just come from watching Finding Nemo that it was what inspired Lily to make Emmy's middle name, Dorothy. And again, he, like, he because he, hadn't, he didn't know about it before, and, and also because he had read Lily's journals, which I, I still remember when he did that, like, he just invaded her privacy, just read the journals without her permission. And that's when he became aware of the connections now between the Pixar movie, Lily and Atlas. But Lily's kind of, like, mad because she's like, I didn't use the name Dorothy in honor of Atlas, I did it in honor of Dorothy herself, because she looked up to the characters so much. Although she does wonder, like, did she do this to spite Ryo, maybe? You know, subconsciously, perhaps? And now Ryo wants to change Emmy's middle name. The whole conversation was scary because, and Lily realizes this, they're talking up on the rooftop. So, and she's like, oh, we're kind of close to the ledge, you know, it's kind of, and she kind of wonders, like, wait, is he going to try to push me off the way that, you know, he pushed me down the stairs? Which, that was, like, frightening to consider. And even just the way that he gaslights her, and it's like, oh, you know, our divorce is nonsense. Maybe we should get back together. You know, this is this nothing. That was all frustrating. What, what, do you, what do you think about that? I mean, it was absolutely freaking crazy, because this guy who would often give hints like, hey, what is this even all about? You know, like, yeah. really? And then, you know, like a couple of moments later, he's getting all aggressive all in her space and you're like really how how does he not see this happening how does he not understand that it's him and not you know atlas or anybody else at fault like the irony was insane to me i know i know i love the quote that lily has when she says anyone who has ever left a manipulative abusive spouse and somehow stayed that course deserves a medal a statue a freaking superhero movie Society has obviously been worshipping the wrong heroes this whole time because I'm convinced it takes less strength to pick up a building than it does to permanently leave an abusive situation. And I feel like that passage right there pinpoints the whole goal of this book is to show like how difficult it is to stay away from falling back into abusive relationships once you've been able to skedaddle your way out of them. And then also, I do like the scene when Marshall opens up to Lily about how Alyssa had cheated on him back when they were in college, but as incensed as he'd been, he never wanted to hit her. Which is like, yeah, of course, it, it, like, it shows a difference. Like, obviously, it matters as it was, he's not going to turn to physical abuse to vent his anger, whereas Ryle is a completely different situation. Yeah, I, I feel like if you think about it, like when I think about somebody I'm with cheating on me, I think most people are like, oh, I'm going to cheat back. Or, you know, if you, you kiss someone, I'm going to kiss someone too. 
I'm going to key your car. I'm going to do this and that. But it's never, I'm going to punch you or I'm going to throw you down the stairs. Like, that's that's so crazy. Uh, and then we cut back to Atlas, who is now meeting with his mom. And in fact, the text that interrupted him and Atlas, is him and Lily's date, was from Darren. Because it alerted him to the fact that his mom was a bibs. He didn't want to kiss Lily and have himself be distracted by, you know, the whole presence of his mom. So now he goes to meet her, and it turns out she isn't here for money, but no, it's because it's, he has a, lo- a little brother that she reveals. And she says he's 11, but we find out later he's actually 12, so she, he, she can't even get the age right. But it's a brother named Josh, he's been missing for the past two weeks. Apparently Sutton has, been in, has lived in Boston for the past 10 years, and never even let Atlas know this. And she's more concerned about avoiding jail than recovering her own son, which shows just how selfish she is. And and, and now Atlas realizes, like, oh, it must be Josh, who's been vandalizing my restaurants. And then the next scene, when Atlas drops by Lily's place to give her a quick hug. I actually really like that. I think that's one of my, one of my favorite moments, one of my, one of my most lovable moments in the book, to, to drop by a hug. Yeah, I think it was really, really sweet. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do they do more than a hug? No, I I don't think they do, right? Because I no. was expecting more to happen, right? No, but not, it doesn't. Not very really here, no. It's just that in here, she 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 then gives him the graphic that she she journal that she says is a little more graphic. And then he and then also mm-hmm. this is the one where this is the scene also where he kisses her collarbone tattoo unwittingly oh. because at this point he doesn't know about the heart tattoo that yeah. she got in her collarbone. Oh yeah, that happens like later. Well, actually, no, in, in the scene, the so, so kiss happens in the scene. Later on, he finds out about yeah, the Yeah, he tattoo. finds out about the tattoo and what yeah. happened and stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's, so I, I, you know, I like that. We also get some, we also learn about, uh, we get some backstory about Atlas opening up, uh, opening up bibs, and then out, and then how he ended up feeling like he, impo- he was going, undergoing imposter syndrome because he inherited the staff and the customers for bibs from, like the soldier, because the soldier buddy of his from the Marines, his family owned a restaurant. And so that's why Addis wanted to open up Corrigan's afterwards as a way to prove that, hey, you know, this is his own restaurant. He can stand on his own two feet, you know, doesn't necessarily need bibs. Then he, and then he ends up, and then he ends up watching over bibs. It doesn't have as good a security as Corrigan. So he's like, okay, Josh is probably going to hit there, you know, try to steal some food from there. Why he's doing this? He reads a journal that describes the night when he and Lily ended up sleeping together, and then her father assaulted him. And that whole night, which we already got the entry for this, I remember from the first book. We already got the backstory for this from the first book, but you know, still upsetting to go through it again here. And then, at, and then, and then Atlas meets Josh when he for the first time when he tries to break into Bibbs, and Atlas ends up offering him a room at his place. And I like when he informs Josh that asshole is the wrong spelling as an asshole. I think it was really sweet. But again, this time, the whole like journal entries or letters or, you know, whatever Atlas wrote just was not that. I don't know. I usually love letters. Maybe it was overdone here. I think that's what it is. Because, you know, usual books, you'd have that one emotional letter and you'd cry but here was like okay another one okay again yeah i can understand that 
And then I like how I like how specifically chapter 16, I like how it opens up with Lily's POV. And she says, you lose your mornings after having children. So it's the first sentence it opens up with, which is, you know, true. That's like I can speak from personal experience, but I'm like, like, you know, just from what I've heard, like, obviously, yeah, you know, parents. Yeah, I was like, you got children. kids. <laughs> Gobbling up the time. And then she ends up getting, you know, she ends up getting to FaceTime Atlas and start talking. And even ha- and, and after the call ends, you know, Lily wishes she could give Atlas a drive-by hug, you know, the same way that she, you know, he was able to give her one. I also love how she, she was texting and then, and then she was like, and you're right. You absolutely should have kissed me. And he ends up hiding that text. I was just like, yeah, you know, I wish, you know, they could have kissed, you know, earlier. <laughs> and then we and then we spend some more time with Josh, who we learn loves manga. And he, at first he lists One Piece as his favorite. But then he switches over to Chainsaw Man. Yeah. Which then, Chainsaw Man. I know, maybe I you think maybe you think of us, yes. Yes. Because you know, obviously for for listeners, you know, we're we're we're, we're watching Chainsaw Man at the moment. We're going through the episodes. And having a good time with it. And then Sutton wants Josh back. And then when Atlas tries to drop him off at, at with her, he ends up witnessing her slapping Josh. So Atlas, like, I love how Atlas just rushes into her place and just, you know, gets his kid brother the hell out of there. Like, he even has a cut. I think a, a cut in his head. And he's like, oh, we came from the TV stand. But, ugh. And then Lily and Alyssa. Uh, they talk and and, and they're going into planning to go to a wedding. Well, actually, Alyssa can't go to the wedding because she has to organize a surprise dinner as well for her parents' 40th wedding anniversary. I like when Lily kind of feels a little vindictive here. She kind of feels like she wants to blame Ryle for that, but for Alyssa being not not being able to go, and she kind of admits, "Well, it's like, well, I know Ryle is, bu- is busy and he can't control that. What is what is him being a surgeon? But it still feels kind of nice to blame some some stuff on him." I, and I can sympathize for, for that moment. <laughs> and just as when Alyssa, she calls, you know, she keeps calling Atlas, Atlas a Greek god, which is, you know, fitting. And Atlas even brings food over to Lily and Alyssa. I also like how this is the scene when Lily appreciates that Alyssa isn't a ride-or-die friend. Instead, she's the kind of friend who will call her out on her shits. And, you know, someone who's, like, who, who's, who's candid with her, you know, doesn't try to cover stuff up. And then Atlas brings Josh to Bibs so he can work off kind of like the damage he's done with vandalization. And this is when Josh and Gio meet and we learn that Josh is a new kid at Gio's school. And there is a thing where, according to Gio, Josh is a bully to the bullies. And he's like, oh, he's a better kind of mean. He isn't mean to the nice kids. And I kind of feel like we, I wish we got more coverage on that because I feel like that's brought up, I feel like pretty much once here. But we never really... Get back to that. And I wish we had been able to touch back on that point. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the general, maybe like, I don't, I want to say Robin Hood, but you know, the guy who's like a bad guy, who's like, yeah, bad, but the necessary evil, <laughs> if that's like the right term for it. I, I just assume maybe he's that kind of kid, you know, the one who's like misunderstood or only fights when it's like needed, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> I think also because like, he's supposed to be bitter too. Josh is very like, bitter because of his childhood. Again, again, I I get what. Oh yeah. I get what that you know what 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 Theo is bringing up. I guess I guess that's how that's how it connects to his character. But again, I just it's just brought up once pretty much, and it, and we never touch back to that specific point about him 
apparently not having the the smoothest of school life, you know, and how apparently he is mean to some kids. Apparently, it's just bullies, but still, like you know, I would have liked to have learned more about that, you know. Wouldn't wouldn't it be weird if he had a smooth like journey at school? Oh no, it it would be weird. But again, I just want more coverage, yeah. you know. I want more coverage, you know. Mm. More attention paid to that aspect of his life. I feel like the books are mainly about Atlas and Lily and their relationship, and yeah. all the other characters. They're just there to, you know, further highlight Do, or yeah. elevate the characters. Yeah. yeah, boost boost the story. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, and then Theo says like she probably will as long as you refrain from saying anything cheesy like look at the ships let's lock lips whipping out another corny phrase and then atlas ends up uh going with lily to the wedding to to the wedding which is it's an impromptu and lily wasn't planning this at first but she's like ah you know she she was basically like ah fuck it you know let's bring him and you know what if i don't think anyone at their world you know, I don't think anyone there will know Ryle, and even if they do, and they reckon, and they see me with Atlas, and they tell Ryle, like, you know, who cares, you know, let's just, you know, screw this, I want to spend time with Atlas. And this is when he, see, when he sees her hot tattoo for the first time, and makes connection between it and Ryle biting her in that spot, because he knew about that, the biting. And he actually felt guilty, because he was... He he felt guilty because he was like, "Wait, am I partially res- responsible for for that?" I like how Lily called him out on that because he was being secretive at first. He was like kind of a hot, keeping to himself, but then she was like, "No, you know, let's lay this out in the open. I'm tired of secrets, you know." And Atlas does get angry here, but he gets angry at himself, and the, and she even points out like the fact that Atlas Atlas's anger isn't terrifying the same way that Viol terrifies her with his anger. You know, again, it's that difference. It's that it's that difference between how people express their anger. It, it, it's crucial and how they vent it. And obviously, one is abusive, one isn't. You know. Yeah, I feel like a lot of the times, despite being upset, hurt, and very angry, um, I think Atlas just was very clear-headed, and you know, he'd always think long-term. He'd think about the good of others. Um, there was that specific moment further on. I think we'll discuss this later when he meets with his mother. And despite being put through so much by her and Tim and everybody, he holds that composure in himself and he's he's still very kind simply because he wants what's best for Josh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the same happens here. He wants what's best for Lily, her kid, and... Yeah, again, so I think that cool-headedness and that composure and that long-term thinking, Atlas is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it reminded me of, it actually reminded me of a different book, a contemporary romance I read recently called The Deal by L. Kennedy. And that also kind of had a similar issue where the male lead, Garrett, he was also worrying, like, wait, am I, am I going to be abusive? Because his dad was an, was a domestic abuser. But in that story, it was also like, well, Garrett is an, an abuser. Like, he, he can get angry, but he's not going to go, like, beating up his girlfriend. Whereas his dad is completely different. His dad is toxic in that fashion. And so, again, it's like, it, it, so when I was reading this, it reminded me of that from the deal. 
And then uh, Lily and Atlas, they finally kiss for the first time since they were teenagers, which is, you know, high time, finally. And they make out some more before he and Lily go to the wedding, but then they rush back home in preparation for the fucking. And I love how he gives her a piggyback ride. He, gi- he gives her a piggyback ride up to the, uh, you know, upstairs. Oh, and then I love how he calls Josh, and then Theo ends up butting into the call. And Theo was like, did you finally kiss her? Can't she hear me? What line did you use to get her to invite you in? Lily, we watched people wed. Let's hop into... And then, and then Atlas hangs up before he can finish the rhyme. <gasps> and then in the bedroom, when Lily is in the closet trying to take off her dress, but it gets stuck in her hair, and Atlas ends up having to help free her, and I love how he teasingly asks her, what is it with you in closets? They end up, you know, they do progress to, like, you know, the whole steam, you know, I... It, it actually is it's kind of a process because they don't do it all the way at first because like he fingers her at first and then it's kind of like some awkwardness because her breast milk stains his shirt which I was up for that like you know some awkwardness some clumsiness you know it's not all smooth sailing for the sex and then they move over to the living room couch and then and then they go like you know all the way with like you know the PV intercourse. I don't. I feel like coho books, like even if they're adult, they're not very like specific. Um, like most of the, uh, I'd say a little bit more mature books that I have read. So yeah, I think it was okay. I think it finally happened. I was like, okay, thank you, God. Um, I think this was their second time because they did it once when they were younger. Yes. Yes. And, and yeah, so like it was even- kind of like a relief. I was just like, okay, finally we're over and we're done with this. Even like the breast milk staining his shirt, you know, kind of like the endearing clumsiness. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I liked it. Like, you know, it's not just like the steamiest scene I've ever read in a Coho book, but I thought, you know, like for the first time they were doing this since they were, you know, teenagers, you know, I'm like, yes, you know, finally, you know, sort of reuniting. And then they open up, you know, later on, they open up some more about Atlas's time at the hospital after Lily's father had beaten him. And how, like, he wasn't able to even, like, go to any resources for any recourse, you know? Like, even, like, the nurse told him, like, the, the law is on Lily's dad's side. Even, like, the officer who's brought into Addis's, you know, hospital room essentially re- 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 reiterate, reiterated that point. And it was like, you could get arrested for breaking into the house. Yeah, heartbreaking. Then Atlas writes a note for Lily and, and then leaves it with her, kisses her goodnight while she's sleeping. And we'll get back to, to that note later. But then, Ryle stops by her place, wonders where Emmy is, because Emmy is still with Lily's mom, and, reali- and he realizes Lily has sl- slept with someone, thanks to the wine glass and her underwear on the couch. And this was scary, the scene, because this is, when, this is when he gets so jealous and pissed off enough that he pins her against the door and almost starts choking her. And then he realizes what he's doing and feels, and like, he backs off after a bit, and he's like apparently feeling remorse, like he usually does, you know, he's always like, oh, so apologetic. And it reminds Lily of the last time he heard her, and he, and she's like, you know, wow, he has not changed at all. I like the quote where she's pointing out, like, he's broken, because he, he was always a broken person, and she has a quote where she says, Sometimes people think if they love a broken person enough, they can be what finally repairs them. But the problem with that is the other person just ends up broken too. I like how that counters kind of like the savior complex that you see in a lot of like romances. I always say like maybe like Twilight 
or Fifty Shades of Grey, where it's like, oh, if you just love this person enough who who has so much psychological and emotional baggage, you know, under the shoulders, <laughs> you can fix them. I, I love how you somehow follow the similarity between um, Fifty Shades of Grey and it starts with this, and it kind of makes sense because I remember and Twilight. Mr. And Twilight. Grey, was it? That they, oh, and yet Twilight too, huh? But I do remember vividly that um, Mr. Gray had, you know, a not so pleasant childhood and upbringing, yes. and he, yeah, went through stuff. So yeah, okay. And he <laughs> and he kept sleeping with people with, with women who looked like his mom. Was that was in itself such a oh, God, up aspect of the story? And then it's like, yes, finally we have a quote here. But it's like, no, you can't fix broken people like that. You know, if they are going to go into a healing journey, they have to do it for themselves. You can't repair them like that. No. <laughs> yeah. So, and and then Lily reads Atlas's notes, and Atlas, you know, the note. He's just, you know, it's very, you know, it's a very sweet note. You know, as always, you know, he's like, you know, he, you know, we'll take this at whatever whatever pace you want for the relationship. You know, we're not gonna speed this up. You know, whatever happens, you know, I'm gonna enjoy spending time with you. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a lovely note. She also and she hangs out with her mom and Emmy and she does tell her mom about her sort of seeing someone and about Ryle. And her mom knows that whoever Lily is seeing is a for sure thing because of how she's smiling. And then uh Josh is having some trouble with homework, specifically the ancestry trees that he that his school is, is ha- having him work on. Which he comments could kids shouldn't even have to do anymore since there are plenty of adoptive families out there. You know, not all families are genetically related, which I do think is is quite true. Do are there even schools these days? I don't know. Like that do that anymore? Do you know like the ancestry tree ancestry tree assignments? No, I, I oh oh you know what? I do remember like my younger sister getting something like that for school, like having to make a family tree, not an ancestry one though. Hmm. Um yeah, but that was a thing in like I don't know social studies or something. <gasps> yeah, I I I just feel like that sounds like it's pretty old school, you know. Again, again, so a lot mm. of adoptive families now, you know, found family sort of stuff. So Wouldn't they be a part of your like family tree then? I think I think here like this is specifically meant to be an ancestry tree, as in specifically your your genes, oh, as in okay, biolog- okay. biological relations. Oh yeah, my sister had family tree. My bad. Yeah, family tree is different. I think family tree is that's fitting for like the adoptive families. And then Atlas and Lily, they spend some more time together. She brings Emmy to his place, and he ex- and he's worried that she'll dump him. That she's gonna either dump him because of how serious she sounded, or that Viral hurt her, the way that she was, you know, asking him if she could come over with Emmy. And there was a second where Josh thought for a second that Emmy was his niece. And he had that little moment. And then and then Lily tells Atlas about what happened with Ryle. And Atlas was like, okay, he doesn't even deserve unsupervised visits. <gasps> Which is like, you know, yeah, you know, I'm siding with Atlas there. I mean, you know, Ryle is just still considering continuing to show like how, you know, how angry how angry he is, how furious he, he can be and abusive. And Lily is frustrated because she says that she can't use past evidence to alter the custody agreement. She never reported Ryle for domestic abuse. And now all of those incidents would be inadmissible in court now, which sucks. I guess at least Ryle, it does, she, she does mention that Ryle does consistently pay child support, which I guess, you know, that's a good thing, you know. 
even though it's like obviously he should be that type of bare minimum, he should be doing yeah, that. Yeah, isn't like that the bare minimum? I mean, I don't know. It is I'm, his child too, so. I'm just saying that because I know there are a lot of parents who do not pay child support. So Ooh, really, is that a thing in the states? Like, oh, there are plenty of irresponsible parents like that. Damn. So the fact about just for really... context, like I'm from Pakistan, so like. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, the fact that Rowell is even willing to do that, at least, you know, consistently paying the child support, I mean, you know, I'll give him credit for that one little thing. <laughs> and then hate him for the rest of his uh, awfulness. And then this is when Atlas and Lily finally agree that you're saying, you know, they're in a relationship, yay, they're connecting more, strengthening the love, it links them together. And then four days pass. During which Violet has been quiet. It was just kind of like, huh, what's he doing now? Why is the silent treatment? And then last night, he ended up texting Lily multiple times, all of these drunken texts. And he was like, You disappoint me, Lily. You treat me like a monster. I'm a goddamn father. Uh, I was happier before I met you. Have fun fucking the homeless guy. Those and those oh, are like that statement was so fucked up. Have fun fucking a homeless guy. Like it was horrendous. That, that one like had me angry and pissed off. Yeah, and then and then Val confronts her at her flower shop and is outraged by her claim that she sent his livid text to a lawyer, which she actually didn't do, but she's just, she's she's just doing that to scare him. And Violet is like, oh, I think there's a pattern happening. But he thinks the pattern is happening with, like, with her. He's blaming the pattern on her. He's not taking any responsibility for his abusive pattern. And he's like, stop ignoring the common fucking denominator for all of our problems, Lily. And of course, like, he's saying Atlas is the denominator, the common denominator. Again, he's just not taking responsibility for any of the crap that's going on. And then, because he leaves... And then, and then Lucy, the employee at the flower shop, she calls Lily and is like, hey, call Atlas, one, one about Viol. And then we cut to Atlas. And Atlas is a Corrigan's when he gets and he, he finds out, like, he has like, some missed calls and texts from Lily warning him about Viol. And then Viol arrives for confrontation. And that whole scene, like, what do you think about this whole scene? When Viol is confronting and, like, uh, like fighting him for a bit, physically fighting him in back alley. And then, and then Atlas had to cool him down. When Atlas and uh, Ryle are fighting, I think it was at the restaurant? Yeah, at Corrigan's. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird, but, like, it's also, like, very Ryle, I feel like, to get angry and then just be like, oh, I'm going to, like, destroy and I'm going to hurt people and <laughs> just be an awful, awful person. But I was also, again, like, I think uh, Atlas handed it Really well, so yeah, like me too. Yeah, Atlas was again able to settle settle things down and try to. He was trying to convince Viola to take responsibility for his actions and cooperate with Lily, Atlas, and Emmy to create a healthy family environment. And it takes some time, but you know, Viola does kind of like he he you know he cools down eventually, you know. And then also, I think it's also notable that Viola comments about how like he thinks he thinks Lily will run back to him if she and Atlas were to split up. And I like how Atlas is like, no, you know, Lily, Lily doesn't run doesn't run to people. You know, she's because like she's self sufficient in that manner. You know, she can stand on her own two feet. And mm-hmm. Atlas doesn't appreciate the way that uh, Viola feels like you no know, Lily has to depend on him, you know, because obviously he craves that. He wants Lily to be able to lean on him. 
so that way he feels like the strong one in this dynamic. Uh, also, there was a, a shady thing that happened earlier where I forgot to mention where, uh, where, 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 where we learned that Bibbs has this preserved tree growing in the middle of it and it reminds Atlas of Lily. It's it's definitely one of the definitely one of the funnier moments in the book. Which I mean, I, it is kind of cringy, like you know, a tree, really a tree. But I feel like their entire relationship and the kind of dynamic they have with you know swimming and making it to the shore, I feel like it fits. True, true, and and you know what, in in the in the range of corny beats and all of the coho books I've read, this is not one of the corniest. You know, it's it's more toned down, in my opinion, at least compared to other, other you know, sheet ball moments. Oh yeah, a lot of her literature is very questionable. Um, I remember very specific moments in Ugly Love, the saddest door I've ever closed. Oh. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> I get oh, a lot of questionable literature. Boy. Then Emmy is having her birthday party at Alyssa and Marshall's place. Ryle has been avoiding Lily and giving her the silent treatment the whole night. But then he approaches her and he's like, what did your lawyer say? And, you know, he's generally being kind of pissy. Even even at Alyssa, she ends up pulling Lily aside for a chat because she's been noticing that things between her and Ryle seem off. I do appreciate, I gotta say, how Alyssa is in this tough position where she's she's being both a sincere friend to Lily while also being a loving sibling to Ryle. And how she, like, she has unconditional love for him because he's her brother, but she also isn't isn't blind to the darkness in him. And doesn't try to stick up for the shit he's done. She, and then she offers to babysit Emmy so that Lily can spend time with Atlas. So, you know, Lily uh, goes off to, you know, drops by Quiggins, you know, and then they leave together for the night. Atlas mentioned that Josh was staying over at Theo's place for this night. And I was wondering, like, hmm, was this meant to be foreshadowing in case it was, it was going to go along with my theory that Josh and Theo were actually like going out, but I guess there, I guess mm-hmm. I guess there wasn't anything. I guess you're, I guess you're just you know, you know like hanging out, being friends. Yeah, I feel like I never kind of like read too much into Josh and Theo's relationship. You know, I was like, okay, they're friends. They're just kids. You know, they're like what twelve. Yeah, sure. That's like okay. you know, yeah, you know that's that's okay. Yeah, I was again just trying to connect stuff. You know, it's it just I I I did think I did think maybe it could be important, so I was trying to you know connect things and then atlas and lily they you know they have some more sex afterwards and then and then after that they they essentially lay out this whole timeline for their future relationship they're like oh it's been 40 40 days since you know we encountered each other out on the street and atlas says you know he has to like he has to wait at least six months before he's allowed to ask her to move in with him and a year and a half from now has to pass by before he can propose to her which again, I feel like it's bringing up more of the, the sentimentality. In this case, I think it's appropriate. You know, I, I like it. How they're like, you know, planning out like, the relationship. I feel like if we're being practical, I would just hate to have like a timeline. Like maybe not with the whole moving out, but with the proposal. I mean, you wouldn't you be like waiting and expecting, and you wouldn't be surprised. Like that's kind of sad. I was like, uh. Yeah, I I can get that too. 
And then in the next morning, uh, we learned Atlas kept some extra supplies around his place in case Lily needed to stay with him again, like when she had to take refuge from Wild a couple of years ago. Which again, also, you know, sweet that he was, you know, think, thinking of that, you know, preparing for, you know, a moment like that. And then Sutton arrives to retrieve Josh, and she claims the caseworker who came over is an opening an investigation, but Atlas knows she's lying. And, and the, the following scene, when Josh is getting, you know, does this whole thing with, you know, Sutton and Josh, and Josh getting mad about wanting to track down his dad before hurrying up to his room. That old scene was, I think, yeah, one of the one of the more you know sadder parts of the book, because you know Josh really thinks that you know his dad would give a give a, give a crap about him, and he really wants to you know find him, which obviously you know as we learn it learn later on, doesn't have uh, the happiest of endings, and it's a, it's a it's a key moment I thought when Lily was cooking breakfast, and Josh pointed out how it's like it, he was like oh it's worse than the actual you know breakfast. It's worse than the usual breakfast before learning it was hers. And she and Josh talk about, you know, wanting to try to hand and multiple careers every few years. And they're like, you know, why stick with just one job? Which I like that, you know. You know, I think maybe personally, I'm a bit more like, you know, I plan things out. But, you know, I can also see that perspective, you know, wanting to try your hands at multiple things rather than just sticking with one path. And then Atlas arrives with the news that he finally managed to pinpoint Tim's address to that address. So he and Josh prepare to go off for him, although Lily is very reluctant about this. And on the ride to Tim's, Atlas thinks he wants, he's, he's, he's thinking he wants to slip some, you know, self-help books into Josh's manga collection. And then once they arrive, uh, Josh hesitates to meet Tim. So there's this ensuing back and forth about whether or not he should do so. And eventually he doesn't, and he wants to create a new family tree. And, you know, he's like a, he calls it a seedling, really, a seedling, revolving around himself and Atlas. And I love how as they leave, Atlas honks, and Josh flips the bird at him and calls him asshole. And this is also the chapter when the phrase, you know, starts with us, pops up, which is like, yeah, you know, if one of, it's, it's a trope of like the, the, the title popping up somewhere in the dialogue or, you know somewhere in the narration i do feel like the whole chapter where josh is very conflicted between wanting to meet him and then choosing not to it's it's really heavy and there's so much going on and my heart really really broke for josh and i can't imagine atlas yes. experiencing that just sitting there and but I, but I mean, I was really happy and I'm glad that, you know, he had Atlas with him. I was like, okay, if that's not what you want, then I'm here to take care for you. Yeah, he's got the support system behind him. I think because that's why, you know, he's got the support system. And then he feels like, oh, like, I have Atlas here. I don't have to run off to to my dad, to Tim. You know, I've got someone else who actually gives a, give a crap about me, who actually loves me. You know, I don't have to be desperate for a biological mm-hmm. relative who doesn't love me, you know. And Atlas lets Josh know that, hey, being with you, it's it's not a burden. It's 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 not a chore, not something, you know, someone should want to run away from. It's a privilege. And I feel like that's so important. Yes. And then we've got the intervention scene when Lily when Lily is hosting this intervention with a with a Ryol and then Alyssa is also part of it. And Lily encourages him to go into anger management. 
and I like how she ends up setting up this whole intervention as well because she does it. She does it uh when Ryle and Alyssa's mom is there, and she does this because she knows that Ryle isn't gonna act up in his mom's presence. Also, Alyssa and then having Alyssa there also provides buffer as well. And even like even like Marshall, even like Marshall is there, and he's like he he said you know he makes it clear that he's aware of Ryle's abuse. And Ryle just has to acquiesce eventually. Finally, you've got you've got the people you've got you know Lily and gathering up friends you know here in, in the space to just push back against Ryle and just be like, hey, you need to start taking responsibility, go into anger management. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to have the unsupervised visits in the future. You won't be able to spend time with me. Okay, yeah. Um. Okay, so I might not recall like every single moment of the dinner, but I do remember Alyssa and Marshall being really supportive of Lily, which I feel like was obviously the right thing to do. You know, if they weren't doing that, and if they kind of sided with Ryle, um, that would have been very, very weird and just oh, yeah. <laughs> out of out game. Of, out of character. Yeah, like, not just out of character, but I just feel like in general, like, you know, I feel like, yeah, out of character too, because I feel like Alyssa and Marshall, they were very clear about how they felt um, with Ryle and how he treated Lily. And I, I think at that point, it's it's not just about Lily, but about Emmy too. Like, someone like Ryle, who can be very, I want to say, unpredictable, and obviously not in a good way. Um, yeah. you, you, you definitely want to have some sort of like protection and you know set some conditions and yeah. I think yeah so I think that was really the right thing to do and yeah. I and I think it went out like it happened okay I do have to say I this feels weird I can't believe I'm saying this but I did feel a little bad a little bad for Ryle when he was surprised because you know it's like okay they all knew about what he was doing but no one ever really kind of like spoke out the way they did and this was really needed like this needed to happen yeah and i'm glad it did but i can't imagine he must have been shocked and taken back to see his sister his best friend all being like uh exactly he needed to be in that position where it's like it's not just lily who knows about this obviously like he's abuse survivor it is also Alyssa and marshall they know about this they're pushing back against you now so they're all telling you hey you need to take responsibility for this so and you know i do want him to go to you know go to anger management you know hopefully he can try to engage in some healing in that fashion you know hopefully <laughs> yeah and then just the scene where Atlas and Sutton meet at Bibbs, and she's all embittered as expected. And then he says he wants her to sign over custody, but he also wants the two of them and Josh to have weekly dinners so that Josh will have his mom involved in his life in some form, even if she isn't, you know, the parent who's taking care of him, even if it's Atlas who has custody over Josh. Again, at least Sutton can be, you know, can be around Josh in some way, be present in his life. And how, was so how, how do you feel? It, it was so, so sad. Yeah, sad. It broke my heart because, you know, Atlas is all like, he's doing it all for Josh. He's doing it because I think he had that one specific memory with his mother. And obviously a lot of the experiences and interaction with her were awful, awful, traumatic. That's... But there was just something he had from you know, someone that he kind of came from, his family, if you want to say. And he, he wanted Josh to have the good moments. 
you know, a dinner or like once a week meet up and he and he put up with her just for that. And I have to say, like, it makes you feel like you get a little, you know, curious about what exactly happened to the mother? Why is she the way that she is? But we don't get any insight into that. And, um, yeah, it's definitely you know, hints to that. Even even after thinks about it, like what in her life has made her so bitter yeah, like this? And so, so I don't know. Rough. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. does it does get you just a bit sympathetic for her. Yeah. And how you know? But I think it also points out the difference between pe people like her and people like Atlas, because Atlas had oh, also yeah. grew up in a shitty household, and he was not, you know, he was not dealt with the best cards by any means, you know, in, in uh, yeah, the like deck he of life. Just his, but he, he but his... yeah, he looked at how he turned out. He's so kind-hearted and generous and loving. So I, you know, I think that also. It, it makes people conflicted, which is a good thing. But if sympathy, but then it's like, well, you still shouldn't be acting this way. It's still, it's still toxic. Yeah. But I'm glad that, you know, he didn't, like, break down or anything. He, yeah, like, Atlas is, like, really, really calm. Like, I love this yeah. about that guy. Like, I wish I had that patience. <laughs> and then this chapter, the next chapter, skips ahead to the six-month mark of, of Lily and Atlas's relationship. And she ends up finding this lengthy note from him that describes how much love he felt for her while she's been caring for him during his uh, his uh, stomach flu period. And there are moments like, oh, like, you know, he felt her chasing his jawline. And when, when they'd been lying together to watch a cartoon, he kissed her on the collarbone and sneaked in and, and I love you to her. And he hadn't realized Lily noticed this. So it shocked him when he first saw the, the heart tattoo there. And again, you know, that hot tattoo, collarbone kiss, you know, that's a, you know, whole important, you know, moment for, for the two of them. And in Atlas, he wrote a letter while caring for Josh, who's coming down with his own stomach flu. And that's what made Atlas think about that, you know, the stomach flu connecting Atlas and Josh. And now at the end of the letter, he ends up asking Lily to move in with him. I do have to say, though, like, it's not at all suspenseful. I mean, I mean it's, you it's know, not... like, with... It's not meant to be successful, I don't think. Yeah, but like, I, I'd like some, you know, something unexpected, something unpredictable. I mean, we're not meeting Verity here. But like, see, this is the thing. This is why I'm not too big on like romance books, because like, you know, they end up together. And if it's like not, then everybody's like, oh, that book is so sad. It's so sad. Like, you already know they're not going to end up together. Or someone's gonna die or something, you know. Ugh, that's so annoying. <laughs> I kind of wish they hadn't, you know. I wish Atlas had like, okay, no, Lily, I'm so sorry. Like, I found somebody else. And Lily's like, okay, I'm just gonna be like me and Emmy, and we're gonna, you know. No. Ugh, but then at least it wouldn't be predictable, you know. See, I'm annoying. <laughs> And now Atlas is getting Theo and Brad to help with moving Lily's stuff into Atlas's apartment. Josh is on the baseball team at this point. Sutton hasn't attended any of his games though, and she's only made it to one of the Tuesday night dinners with her two sons. Which, you know, is disappointing. You would hope that she would be more involved. You know, and, and again, that's what, that's what folds into my, you know, conflicted feelings about her. It's like, you know, even now it's like she isn't taking the opportunity to be more involved, which, you know, just does make me a little more resentful towards her. 
And it also makes you wonder, why not? Why is she so awful? Yeah, even even when Atlas is giving her this opportunity to mm-hmm. to try to be more loving towards Raj. And then Violet and Marshall arrive to deliver Emmy, who has been eating tons of food and had vomited it on Violet t- twice. Although, uh, Violet end- ends up staying in the car, and Marshall is the one who steps out to hand, you know, Emmy over to Atlas. And Atlas and Marshall have this chance to connect, which I, I-, I like that, you know. They're able to, you know, talk in this moment. Because I don't think they've ever really socialized yeah, out, 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 mm-hmm. outside of this moment. I think no, I don't think they have. Even also in the scene, Atlas, if I remember correctly, he does admit to feeling a bit of sympathy for Ryle. And, like, how... It's kind of, the awkwardness between, yeah. between Atlas and Ryle, you know. Which I think... Definitely. I feel like it'd be awkward, even, like, if, if the abuse wasn't part of the whole situation, it'd be awkward, I think, still. But then you've got the <laughs> domestic abuse happening, and it just escalates the situation even more. I feel like just the fact that, you know, Atlas doesn't have that kind of, like, hostility or, you know, that negative vibes for Ryle, I feel like that itself is, like, enough, because Ryle has done way too much. Yes. And then Lady Theo and Josh, they're watching Finding Nemo. Afterwards, Josh comments on the brutal slaughter of all that caviar. And Theo, which by the way, I still feel like that's one of the more, that opening scene of Finding Nemo is one of the surprisingly most heartbreaking, tragic scenes in any Pixar movie, maybe in any animated movie that's geared towards families and children. I'm surprised like, it not even made it in. I mean, granted, it is, it is a Pixar movie, so Pixar movies do tend to be more, I don't know, again, like heart-wrenching that way, more agonizing. In that sense, but still. You want to know something cool? Oh, yes. Something that might make you hate me or make, like, the listeners hate me. But, like, I haven't watched Finding Nemo. I watched it when I was, like, very young. And that, too, like, not the entire movie. Like, I remember bits and pieces. Interesting. Um, I remember, like, yeah, somehow someone gets into the aquarium, right? Something like that happens. Uh, See, I don't... Yeah. Oh, uh right like they yeah. get separated that's what i remember yeah separation um, nemo getting nemo getting taken away by the dentist mm-hmm. and and then marlin's dad and and then dory's a new friend chasing and then does after he die? right somebody dies so i guess well i'll say spoilers for finding nemo for listeners because like even though it's like this is a very old movie <laughs> and people probably know but so in the opening scene so in yeah. the opening scene it, it is marlin's wife and and then all of the kids, so like all all of the kids are like the eggs, all this whole bunch mm-hmm. of eggs, and the eggs and the wife end up getting eaten up by a barracuda. But there's one mm-hmm. egg left behind, and that one egg that's is Nemo. Is Nemo? Yes. And then Nemo dies at the end. No, Nemo does not die. So he goes back to his family. Yep, N- Nemo is reunited with his dad with Marlin, and they return home. What? No way. Yes, way, but so it's still... not sad. Nobody okay. dies. It's still sad. So, so oh, I told you the opening scene: the wife and most of the eggs die. They get eaten up by the okay, barracuda. But, like, that's just the opening scene. Who and cares is, about them? It is so heartbreaking. You gotta watch that opening scene then, because it is so sad. And I don't like this. And and and, and it's the mom. It's the mom who wanted to name Nemo Nemo. So when so when she and the other eggs get get consumed. 
it's modern to dad who then named Nemo in honor of the mom because she wanted to name Nemo and that's why and and then also and also Nemo has this like this fin that doesn't work because like when he was an egg he got injured there's like a crack on his egg so it's so hard. His brain to, doesn't work. What? No, his fin. His fin. His fin is like his really fin. small. Oh, his oh, his oh, oh. one one of his fins couldn't couldn't grow, so it's really tiny. So he swims really awkwardly, and so it's like a, a scar left over from almost getting eaten up. Okay, and I just, remember it, like the bad fish too, like the bigger the fi- ones. Maybe weren't they like gangsters or something? Oh, you, so you talk right? about the fish at the dentist office when Nemo was in the aqu- aquarium with them. Yeah, they're not they're not oh, bad yeah, fish. Yeah, 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 they're, they're, yeah. Not, they're not bad fish. They're like they're just more like toughened fish. And there's one uh, fish yeah, in particular. Yeah. There's one fish in particular who's kind of like hardy and mm, like a badass, right? A, a badass, yes. And yeah. but yeah, they, 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 they help Nemo along the way. And <laughs> see, I don't remember the whole thing. I watched it when I was like really young, and I don't even think I watched the whole thing. I watched it It's just like uh, you, you should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gil, Gil was the name of the badass fish, named saved by one of the foe, and yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good one, yes. I love how you just looked it up when you were like, that was the name. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's it, it's been a while since I've seen the movie, so some of the names I've forgotten, but <gasps> it's a it's a good one, it's a good one in the Pixar collection. All right, and then so so after that, after they watch Finding Nemo, Theo uh, is puzzled by Theo uh, is puzzled by what Atlas has said about finally reaching the shore, because he pointed out he was like, wait, that quote was never even used in Finding Nemo, but then Theo figures out it's connected to Dory's quote of you know, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> And then Theo says he has to go to a thing, which Josh asks about, because Theo is being kind of, like, vague about it at first. And Theo says it's a parade, Josh infers it's a pride parade, and he thinks Theo is being weird about it, and, you know, he's like, why can't I join in, like, you know, as a cis-head boy? And Theo is like, you can, you can join in, you know, I'm just not sure you wanted to. And I love how Josh, Josh just says, you can tell a lot about a person by her taste in manga, Theo, I'm not a dumbass. (laughs) <laughs> and, that is kind of like because I, I think Theo likes Chainsaw Man too like I think they have similar tastes yep. yeah Chainsaw Man he also mentioned his love for One Piece mm, okay One Piece I haven't watched it but there's yeah. a lot of spaces for that I feel like it's very very mainstream mangas you know yeah sure animes too but okay yeah but I love how Josh he treats this moment so casually you know which I feel like, you know, it's a good way to go about it. He's just not making a big deal about it. And he's just, yeah. he's just always known, like, you know, and he's just accepting Theo for who he is. And then also, I like the moment when Lily is looking out at the garden, at, out at the backyard. And she says, it's like Atlas searched for a house specifically for the perfect garden space, just in case I ever came back into his life. I know that's not at all why he shows this house, but it's fun imagining he did it for that reason. Which is ironic because Atlas did it for that reason. When he found his house, it was for the backyard, specifically because he was thinking of Lily. And even Lily's mom, she comments on like what a magnificent place, you know, this is for a garden. And even it asks, like, do you think maybe he shows this for you, basically? Lily's mom notices that. And so we now, and so this is also when we learn that Lily's mom had actually known who Atlas was this whole time. 
because like all the time we saw as you know her mom was like oblivious to who Addis was and there actually was a, t- a time when Lily's mom had come home and found her Lily and Atlas sleeping together on the couch and while Atlas was leaving the house in a hurry he gave her mom a hug one that communicated all of the sorrow that Atlas felt for her oh yeah I remember that that was like because I think you know because obviously he knew what the mom was going through yes and he probably didn't want to say something and so he just hugged her, like... Yeah. It, and even Lily was like, it wasn't a manipulation tactic. Because I think the mom was like, wait, was doing it to, like, manipulate me? To try to, you know... <laughs> yeah, I remember that. But no, he was just a sweet boy. Yes. And then I also love the moment when the mom says, it makes me happy to know there's a man in your life that gives meaningful hugs like that. And Lily replies, he gives more than great hugs. Which is so surprising that she said that to her own mom. And then Lily texts Atlas, I love you so much, you idiots. And then we, we, we come to the final chapter where we open on Atlas standing in front of a mirror and endearing Theo pressuring him to read, his, to read his vows aloud. And it turns out that Atlas is preparing for his wedding with Lily. Tears have passed by at this point. Theo says, Atlas, come on, I'm trying to help you. For all I know, you probably end them with something like, it is my wish for you to be my fish. <laughs> the vows. No, I oh. love this. I love this. Yes. So much. Also, apparently Josh is making out of someone as in, in the area. We, we mentioned that. Oh, yeah. Ma- with a girl, I think, right? With a girl, yes. And then, and then Atlas, he gets back his vows and he rereads them. And we, you know, we're able to read the vows and they focus on how odd it is that these vows need to be made in public as if to reinforce them and protect them from being broken. Because unfortunately, like, pl- plenty of such promises collapse all the time. And about half of them fail, but Atlas looks on the bright side and thinks about how this means half of the vows that partners make remain intact. And besides, if he and Lily were to divorce, there's no one he'd rather become a statistic with than her. Then, you know, Josh, Darren, Brad, Theo, Marshall, Gerard, Dale, they enter the room. They're like, hey, you know, Atlas, you gotta get out here, you know, gotta get married. And then Atlas ends up adding, it is my wish for you to be my fish to the end of the vows. He really does that after the Theo had brought him up. And then that's the end. Yay. Woohoo. They <sighs> end up together just like we thought they would. Yes, of course, of course. I will say now. I will say I do feel like the Denouement could have been could have been wrapped up maybe just a bit more tidily. I feel like the other threads in this ending, I maybe would have liked like maybe learning just a bit more about what happened to Sutton, like what happened to Sutton after two years, you know, mm-hmm. or what what happened what happened to Vile after two years. Did Vile end up healing a bit more after the anger management, you know? I, mean, I I don't think I'd be very. I don't think I'm much concerned about Vile. Simply because, you know, I feel like that whole moving out, um, moving in with Atlas was kind of like more of an end of the relationship that at least Lily and Ryle had going on. Maybe he's involved in um, Emmy's life, but yeah. so I feel like he was kind of out of the picture. I would like to know the reason as to why Sutton is so bitter. I'm more of that, you know, I'm going to know more of that too, but... <sighs> That's it. Starts with us. Do you have any, do you have any more thoughts now on the on the book? Just what I said, you know, a little earlier that I wish it was a little unpredictable, a little like suspense. You know, kind of like I wish it kept us on our feet. Like, oh no, Atlas and Lily. But it was all like 
sunshine and okay maybe not all sunshine but you get what i mean yeah, i can understand that but yeah I, i'm i'm glad to success honestly like i know this has been getting a lot of mixed reviews but you know i personally feel like i'm not left i'm not left feeling like this is a waste of space you know i'm not left feeling like you know this shouldn't Ooh. exist i'm i'm glad it, it to does, it does remind me like i don't know it, i do feel like it's a little useless because like like i said you know what happens and it's not really all that interesting and i kind of agree with like the bad reviews like i, I get them i get them yeah i don't think i'd be so into it if it wasn't for it ends with us you know true i can see that if it was for a different story you know maybe a bit yeah. less enthusiastic like the book by itself it's not i mean the writing is not crazy good um the characters okay and the plot uh so it's kind of like what really does the book have going on <laughs> not much yeah true and all right now we can move on to the next segment of the episode which is good words now yay. this is yay this is where each of us gets to recommend something a book a movie a tv show a podcast music etc so, Safar, what is your good word? Okay, so I think this is like my third time doing a good word. Yes. But so for the first time, I'm going to recommend a manga that is mentioned once or twice in the book itself, Chainsaw Man. I feel like this is one of my favorite mangas and it's something I had been bugging um, Arthur a lot about. I was like, we need to read this. You need to, We need to watch this together. And I will. I hope he agrees that, you know, it really is very fascinating. I, okay, so the anime might be a bit slower. You might feel that way. Um, but it's still, like, action-packed. There's a lot going on. The characters are interesting. The plot is crazy. Um, you know, if you're into stuff like that, stuff that's unpredictable, a lot of suspense, and just a lot of fun, then, yeah, I highly recommend Chainsaw Man. But I would say it's a bit more adult you know a little bit more mature in terms of all the blood and the <laughs> and you know just some of the content and yeah Gra- graphic imagery blood you know blood mm-hmm. guts flying everywhere the, the devils <laughs> being, yes being all sliced up <gasps> but yeah actually that, yeah that's a good one i i have not read the manga as, as of yet i will get into it sometime but currently the anime i am watching that you know Saba also mm-hmm. is watching that as well and i'm enjoying it so far the anime i would say specifically the anime you said slower pace i feel like I, i'm okay with that i'm okay i'm okay with the pacing actually i feel especially for like this latest episode i really liked what the sixth episode edit it almost felt maybe a bit in, in, inception-y in a way Mm-hmm. which I feel like that's a good comparison without giving away too many spoilers, you know, but and, Inception-y. And I feel like a lot of the powers, like, because the Inception part was a demon's doing, right? The Inception-ish part. So I feel like yes. a lot, as you get to know about more of the characters and their powers, you're going to feel that happening. Like, ooh, this is interesting. So, yes. yeah, I think it's a really interesting manga and the the world that they have set up it's cool. It's fun. Yes, yes. And, you know, Denji is great too, also. And I know I, I personally like power a lot, but I know that, you know, Sabahi do not like power on that much. 
But it's so weird because I like the other characters that are very annoying. I feel like the characters here, you know, they're not your typical stereotypes like oh, the good one or the evil one. They're, everyone's like such a mixture and they all Yeah. have their good sides and surprising. Oh, Molly do you remember Gray. Aki when, Yes. <laughs> when his super right, super, like senior gets slapped? I remember reading the manga Yes, and I was yes. so taken back because he seems like such a mature and calm guy. But, you know, the more you know about him, he's kind of crazy, too. So Yes. it's really fun. Yes. All right, so Chainsaw Man, the manga is your good word. Do you want to include the anime in your good word or just the manga specifically? I definitely recommend everybody to read the manga first. Okay, You okay. too. You too, okay. Okay, I will. Don't worry, don't worry. I've been following your recommendations, you know. And now I'm going to give my good word, which will be the 2009 stop-motion animated movie Coraline. Now this is also no. This is uh something I rewatched recently. I actually had not seen this in years, but I rewatched it recently uh, on Roku. Out of all out of all of the streaming services, I watched it on, on Roku. <gasps> but I think it still holds up quite well. The the way it handles and it's not I don't know. I don't think it's straight up horror, but it definitely leans towards you know the horror elements. But the thing is, it handles the horror in such and it, it's really like cozy package, where I almost want to like snuggle up in, in it with the way that the stop motion animation is handled and the aesthetics, and it does get really creepy in certain moments, and that's where the the horror really shines through in the movie, especially like with one of those bust eye stuff. <laughs> Uh, Coraline is also a really, you know, fun protagonist to follow. I think also one of the more, like, I guess, like, a badass protagonist, too. Kind of like someone who is just, like, you know, doesn't give a crap about, you know, trying to, you know, put up with shit, you know. She is very much, like, you know, going on her own, you know, going off on just quests and very haughty, determined in that fashion. Again, stop motion animation is just beautiful to look at. In general, I'm a I'm a sucker for stop motion, it's like for things like The Nightmare Before Christmas or uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Also, by the way, the director of Coraline, Henry Henry Selick, also directed The Nightmare Before Christmas, and he also directed a new movie that's on Netflix called Wendell and Wild. Also, stop motion. Also, you know, leans into you know. kind of like horror and supernatural elements. Not really all that scary, actually. I feel like Coraline is actually a lot a lot scarier than Wonder Woman Wild. But just want just to just clarify that, because, because a lot of people think that Tim Burton directed movies, like Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline, where it's like, okay, he, like, he did kind of like create the characters, I think, for, for Nightmare Before Christmas. And even like Tim Burton's kind of like, you know, dark, grim aesthetic, It's kind of similar to the to Henry Selick's movies, but in the end, it is Henry Selick who directed who directed these movies, not Tim Burton. Also, the, the book is really good too. Coraline is actually based on a book by Neil, Neil Gaiman, and that's also fantastic. Also, very creepy, especially with the illustrations in the book. Also, add your own unnerving facets to the whole experience. Again, Coraline, that is my good word. I could see that being a movie where, like, even like twenty or thirty years down the line, people still hold that up as being being the, the shining example of stop motion animation. You know, it's standing on the highest level of quality. Uh, have you actually ever seen it? 
So no, I haven't. <laughs> okay, it, but, it's really good. Yeah, a lot of what you said kind of got me intrigued. I actually have a really good friend from like high school who just loved that movie. Like it's her personality, you know? Ooh, it's, yeah, so. It's fitting. <laughs> also, Dakota Fanning is the voice of Coraline in the movie, which is so, it feels kind of like a throwback because I feel like, you know, Dakota Fanning has been in so many movies, including Coraline, and it feels like such a, a throwback to the year 2009 when she was popping up in so many movies as a child actor. Is it like fast paced though, Caroline? Coraline. Coraline. Oh, okay. But uh, the pacing. I think the pacing is actually handled handled really well. Like the pacing mm-hmm. and the plotting, it's just always always moving, always always engaging. If you it's, if you had to compare too. to some of the movies that like we've watched, what would you compare it to? Uh, I would compare. Well, I don't know. Let me. For some reason, I want to compare it to. I guess The Shining, out of all of the movies, I guess, Ooh. because because of how well paced both movies are, and how oh. they both they, they they both do have like the creepy elements going on. However, I do think The Shining is much creepier, mm-hmm. is much more like tense, whereas Coraline has the creepy stuff going on, but it's not nearly as tense. Okay, okay. But I guess yeah, again, yeah, out of all, out of all the movies you've seen, yeah, I would compare it to that. I mean, we don't we don't have any stop motion stuff and the movies we've seen together in the past to compare it to. So I guess yeah, the shining and go with that. So now mm-hmm. we've given our good words. Yeah. I want to thank you very much for coming on here to discuss. It starts with us. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. It's always it's always really fun when we, you know, I mean, we discuss books and our whatever media we consume, but to do such a deep dive into like different books, it's it's fun. So and thank you. You're welcome. And now, you do you want to give your, your socials on the podcast where people can find you? So I don't really use um, my public accounts, which is probably just my Twitter. And my Instagram account, Facebook account are all private. So sure, sure. I'm good. Well, kind, of, kind of fitting as well, anyways, for Twitter, at least. Because, I mean, considering the state of Twitter and just... Oh, yeah. Very fire- unstable. Just fires blazing everywhere as Elon Musk is just destroying the whole platform. It's so sad because, like, Twitter to me, I've been using it since I was like, what, 13, maybe 14, literally. And yeah, it's been like almost a decade now, and this guy just comes in. Just, yeah, just ruining the whole thing. And yeah. it's sad because, you know, as. Look, Twitter can definitely be a really toxic platform. It can be horrible, awful, <laughs> but there are like I think genuinely. You still want it. But but also I think there are genuinely good elements to it, like being able to, to connect yeah. with other people, like the book Twitter community or the film Twitter community. Or I know to there be, are a, a lot of journalists on Twitter. To be very like frank, I feel like especially like you know coming from a developing country, um, a lot of the issues that happen you don't see them on your general or like mass media you know so i feel like twitter was a place where people would voice what's going on especially with minorities so i think that aspect of it was just sad to see that it's all being threatened because somebody rich was like hey i'm gonna be annoying and you know I mean, what is this guy? Like, he's just a, he's a blockhead. I don't know how, like, he's the head of C, uh, he's like the CEO of, like, Tesla and SpaceX. 
I can't believe I'm in business school and they teach about and you know they discuss him like he's God or something you know oh fuck that should all look up to it's annoying yeah and but it's just yeah. devastating yeah and even like journalists I know there's tons of journalists who have connected with other people other journalists over Twitter and that's been really helpful for them in the field which even for me and for my for my podcast the majority of my podcasting and my like the networking for part for my podcast takes place on Twitter that's why I've connected yeah. with so many other podcasters on there that's why I've DM'd other podcasters and been able to bring them in, bring them on as guests and it's just really upsetting that a platform that I do use my podcast again to connect with other podcasters, other colleagues could end up shutting down in the future. And sure, I have other platforms like, you know, I'm on Instagram, but they're not Twitter. Yeah, it's on Twitter. Like, even, like Instagram, like, sure, I, I, I'm able to promote Two Cents Critic a bit on there, but Instagram for me is just personally is not nearly as powerful for the promotional aspect as Twitter. And, 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 yeah. and, and, and TikTok, TikTok, I mean, I guess just TikTok, but I'm not on TikTok <laughs> at the moment. Like, I even have, like, I do have, like, a this private little, little account on TikTok, but that's purely basically to follow this film talker, Joe Aragon, Cinema Joe. He's, like, the film talker from House of Cinema. I do that basically to follow him and like his stuff. But other than that, I mean, I'm just not really doing much with the account. So. It's sad. It's devastating. Just, just yes. to... You know, something that was functioning okay, I would say. But the funny part is he has not just caused the Twitter community harm, but he has harmed actual corporates and <laughs> Oh yeah, his employees. Yeah. That's yes. good. Over- that good. Overworking them. Oh, not just the employees, but I remember I don't know what the na- name of that, um, because I know in the US insulin is like very expensive. Yes. Yeah. Right? Way too and expensive. Yeah, and then, so the fake account tweeted something like, oh, it's going to be free. And then the stock market, their their stocks just, like, went down. Yeah, it's the, very, very pleasing. The whole verification <laughs> crap, the blue yeah. stock marks. Oh, like, you, you get to pay $8 for it. And it's like, no, you need a procedure for it to actually be verified. <laughs> Otherwise, people can just pull this crap and be like, you know, oh, I'm the verified account. And even and happens people... in the, in, with, in, it happened with Nintendo, with this fake Nintendo account is posting a photo of Mario giving the middle finger. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember when he, you know, pitched this plan on Twitter itself, everybody was like, no, that's awful, you know, that's going to create a lot of, like, issues. And he was like, nah, it's not, like, just pay $8, $8, $8, and it cost corporates, like, I don't know, like those. I mean, just eight dollars, and you cause harm of like what, a hundred million or a billion? Like that is crazy. Yep. Uh, and let's not even forget to, forget to mention the fact that he actually, when he was trying to buy Twitter, he initially tried to back out of the deal, but he had to follow <laughs> the agreement because the agreement was like, no, no. Now you need to pay, you know, a penalty for actually trying to trying to back out, and you got to buy the company now. So it's like it's just like his. His decisions make no business sense. Again, how is he the CEO of SpaceX and Tesla? And I think he and I think he has other companies too going on. I can't remember the name I've of. Heard, but... I've heard his parents are like something. I don't know. Like basically, he comes from money. Oh yeah, 
of course. He's like the he's like the, the Jeff Bezos, you know, Donald Trump, mm. all of those, you know, rich assholes. I only took a million dollar loan from my parents, and I am a self made businessman. Like, shut up! You have no idea the way people worship him and worship him in like business schools. It is crazy. Blech. It's so annoying. Like, please wake up. Wake up. I feel like I'm in the Matrix or something, you know? Just stop. <laughs> uh, well, enough talk about that asshole. Okay, yeah. Asshole. <laughs> As for my socials, you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at 2 underscore sense critics. You can follow my personal accounts on Twitter, GoodPods, StoryGraph, and Letterboxd at author underscore ant18. You can also find me on Goodreads at author Havel. If you want to email me, you can reach me at email the two cents critic at yahoo.com. You can also check out my blog at two cents critic.com. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Apple Music, Podcast Addict, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Good Pods, etc. Make sure you also, you know, really do give the, the ratings and, you know, five-star reviews and all that, you know, because it really does help to spread the podcast to more listeners, you know, with ratings, bump up the algorithm, and word of mouth. Tell your friends and family about the podcast, too. And once again, Sabah, thank you so much for coming on here to break down It Starts With Us. Thank you for having me here. It's been really fun. Like it always is. You're welcome. And until next time, stay healthy and stay strong.